Good morning, Woodland Hills. God bless you guys. It's really good to be here this morning. Thanks for you guys for joining online. That was a kicking worship set, wasn't it? Man, that's, I'm still kind of like getting my breath back. That was great. But that, that, was, uh, that was great. Uh, so um, we're in this Unraveling Truth series and, and uh, looking at reasons why people have been leaving the church and this age where truth is unraveling all this stuff. And so we are really privileged to have joined us here this morning, who has become a really good friend of mine, a very odd duck, I must say. He's from the other side of the pond across the aisle over there in England. Uh, this is Adam Dreyer. Everyone give a warm Woolen Hills welcome to Adam. So, Adam, uh, uh, who are you and why are you on this stage? I mean, that's what everyone's wondering right now. Well, I am, um, yeah, Adam Dyer. I lead, um, I lead a church in the southwest of England. Um, if, um, yeah, down in Somerset, um, just near the Dorset coast. It's a very beautiful part of the world. Anyone um, ever seen the show Broad Church? Broad Church. Yeah, well, his church that's, is a couple of miles from there. Yeah, that's, that's our beach. That's our near beach. So, um, yeah, it's a nice place. So, I live in a nice place, but every now and again I leave and I come and visit somewhere else. But as well as leading a church over there, um, I, am, I am married to Rachel, um, who heads up, or has headed up for the last few years a whole bunch of our community transformation ministry. Um, she's now um, stepped out into a national role. Uh, we have four children. We have two grandchildren. Um, so oh, we you're are, married. Um, We've been married. Oh, don't don't catch me out on this sort of stuff. 20, 20, 26, nearly 27 years. All right, all right. Well, well, way to go. So yeah. you're a pastor, and you yeah. also have a role in the Jesus Club. Tell us yeah, so um, I, I mean, I, so we've been trying to work out this whole Jesus-centered idea um, for the last 15 years as whilst I've been leading the church there. And um, What's the name of your church? Yeovil Community Church. Yeovil? Yeovil. Y-E-O-V-I-L. It's um, Yeovil. Yeah, it's a, one of those strange words. But Yeovil Community Church. And we've been trying to live this stuff out and work this stuff out. And what does it look like to have Jesus at the center? What does it look like to be um, broad and inclusive? And, um, and so we kind of said, you know, if we want to extend the tent in both directions, if we, we want to broaden our welcome, um, then we do that uh, by making Jesus bigger at the center. If it, in, a, mm. in, a, um, in a solar system, if you want to increase the gravitational field of a solar system, right. you make the sun at the center bigger. And so, now, now how would I do that? I'm just kind of wondering how we. Well, we make Jesus bigger. I, I, know. I, I can't help you with the solar system. <laughs> um, that's, that's above my pay grade. Okay. But, um, but the. Right. Yeah, so we make Jesus bigger at the center. So we've been trying to work this stuff out. But, you know, sometimes you feel like you're pioneering something. Sometimes you feel like you're trying to work something out and it can be a bit lonely. And then um, just two, three years ago, I found this Jesus Collective think, heard about them, and uh, I was like, man, I want to get involved in that. Um, it was kind of around the pandemic. I got involved in an online learning course and just loved it, how to lead a centered church, Jesus-centered church in a polarized world. Really powerful stuff. It was great. I was like, I want to hang out with these people. So, so, so yeah, so I, so I came over. I went to the conference last year. Yep. Um, and so after the conference last year, that's where we met. That's where we kept chatting about stuff. It was fun. Non-stop. And um, we... And by the way, a warning here, uh, we both have ADHD, so who knows where this is going to go, right? <laughs> the difference is we, I'm on meds and he's not, so I'll anywhere. try to keep his base. But, um, yeah, so, um, but it was there, I was asked, they, they were going through some changes, and someone said, can you, can you come and help out a little bit? So I kind of joined the leadership team and gave a day of the week, and then just a month or two ago, they asked me if I'd take on the executive director role. Um, executive to, director. So I'm going to share my time between Jesus Collective um, all over the world, and Yeovil Community Church, very specifically in Yeovil. Wow. Amen. Amen. It's, it's, it's powerful. 
So uh, you, your church agreed to share you half time with uh, the, the Jesus Collective. So you, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. We have a very courageous church. They've always just had a well, you're the pastor, step time so in faith and a courageous church. But I'm not sure whether actually they quite like the idea of me being around a little bit less. Maybe that's a... So they're going, yeah, great, <laughs> go. Fellowship. Go. Yeah, yeah have, a, have a great time. Yeah, but... Um, Adam, you're cold over yeah. there in Canada. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, no, they, they absolutely lent it. I really thought they'd say no. And then they were like, because I just had a year off and, and you know, they're trying to look after me and, and right. they prayed about it and they came back after two weeks and they went unanimously. So feel. this is another example. I mean, Woodland Hills went through this journey and, and uh, now we've learned about all these other individuals and churches and groups that have been on a similar journey. Mm. And people take different trajectories. We're discovering All around the globe, we're discovering yeah. people going through the same yeah. journey. Yeah. And somehow they, you know, find God. out about Jesus Collective or whatever and they would find, you know, so we're God starting is up to connect to together. God is up to something. It really is an exciting time. Things thing. are shifting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an exciting time. So um, uh, one of the things that we talked about in the series here is how uh, the, the, church, the, the church of Christendom, and Christendom simply refers to the mindset of Christians that goes back to the fourth century when Christians first started clamoring after political power. And the idea is that we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna conquer the world, basically. The church militant and yeah. triumphant. You know, we're going to control things, whatever. And, and, and that thrived during the Middle Ages, but it's been uh, crumbling for the last 200 years at least, and uh, more so in, in Europe than here. But it's, it's right. so Christendom is crumbling, and a lot of folks see that as bad news. Oh, Christians are losing their influence, and blah, 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 blah. But I suspect you have a little different opinion of that. And, and so talk about the, the death of Christendom, that model of the church that we're going to conquer the world, and kind of what's happening in its place. It's a small subject, but no, yeah. I, th- <laughs> but I, think, it's, I think it's a good thing. Like, um, you know, I, you know, I grew up in church. I inherited my faith, and and you know, in the UK, you know, we've just had this, a first our first census that where less than fifty percent of the people identified as Christian, mm. dropped thirteen percent from ten years ago. So it's plummeting, right? And uh, so we're now down to forty six percent. They, the days of the inherited faith. You know, we can't go into schools anymore and talk about Jesus and expect them to know who we're talking about. Right. They, kids aren't growing up with the Bible. The days of inherited faith are gone. Like that era, that Christendom era is gone. And it's a good thing. Because we, I think, you know, the tendency or the temptation was just kind of, well, I identify as Christian. I'm born in a Christian country. I'm Christian. Yeah, of course. I, I, you know, I, my parents are Christian. And my grandparents are Christian. And they bought me a Bible. And I go every Easter. Like, it's... <laughs> Like, I'm a Christian, and they, that doesn't help. No. And, and actually, this generation, you know, there, there is a decline, and that decline is still happening. People, less and less people go mm, to church. Right. That decline is still happening. And um, particularly, um, our generation, less and less. Um, I was very gracious to you there saying our generation. Yeah, thank you, yes, yes. Um, Us 40-ish, 50-ish crowd. You're welcome. Um, so... <laughs> The lying crowd. <laughs> the, um, but the, this Gen Z, they're not carrying... Gen Z is what, 18 and younger? 18 or? to th- uh, mid-30s, maybe. Oh, okay. They, that, that generation, they're not carrying the baggage. Then They've not grown up in that. And actually, what we're seeing, whilst the decline is in the church, we're actually seeing a rise in that younger mm. generation. We're actually seeing more. So they would just do some studies in the UK, and I think it was 56% of that generation um, say they, pr- they pray. Wow. A th- over a third of them have prayed in the last month. Hmm. That's more than 
the, so okay. 35 and over, it's 25%. Right, right. In Gen Z, it's 34%. And, and, and you think that's because the Christendom carried so much baggage with yeah. it that it was a turnoff? The people have rejected it. So the but this generation right. haven't rejected God. In fact, in the census that we've just had, um, I think it was, um, what was it? about 40% of people said were, were no religion. Mm, I think maybe, yeah, 44%, but um, were no religion. But half of them said they did believe in God, they just didn't assimilate to a particular religion. There is an openness to spirituality, and particularly in this young generation, there is an openness to spirituality, and there is a passion. And they're not interested in um, religion that flexes its muscles, in religion that abuses its power. They're not interested in that. They, they don't like power being misused, but they are interested in the principles that they see in Christianity. Okay. They are interested in um, forgiveness. They are interested in compassion. They are interested in, they are interested in personal responsibility. They, they are interested in love your neighbor mm-hmm. and help the poor. All right. they, and, which is interesting because there's, a, there's something I noticed. I was in a conversation with um, someone who is you know, kind of in the Hollywood industry and um, this is a couple months ago, and they were talking about, um, oh, my friends aren't interested when I talk about faith, but when I talk about what my church does, they're all interested. Okay. Like, they, they, they don't want to talk about religion, but they are interested. When we talk about how we're feeding the poor, how we're helping the hungry, how we're, um, how we're working families through in our church, you know, helping families through crisis, with refugee center, with the, okay. like we, we do all this stuff with the homeless center, with the blood donation center, with the vaccination center. Like when, when we do all of this stuff, they, they, people are interested. And, um, and, and he was saying, like, they're not interested in what we, what we have to say, and, but they are interested in what we do. Yeah. I was in a pub the other day um, watching football because it was the last day. Do you day. drink? No, I don't We're drink. We're out of here. Okay, I don't I'm drink. <laughs> but a pub? What kind of Christian are you? Well, if you've, if you've not been to a British pub. would never hang out with sinners. British pub, then uh, you've... I'll take you to a British pub sometime. All right. So, um, yeah, so I was, I was watching football, and um, there was one of there was all these Real football or soccer? Which, uh, That's the same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they get it all mixed up over there. So, yeah, so I was watching. It was last day of the season. There was one. I'm a Manchester United fan. There was one other Manchester United fan in there. So we kind of... Manchester? Manchester United. Most famous team in the world. I hope that Manchester's yeah. United. So, Good. Yeah. Well, they're all right. So my first soccer match ever was with this guy. Yeah. Like, Wasn't it we fun? The, the Wasn't it fun? Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, we had a great really time. Really rowdy. Minnesota won. It was good. So, um, yeah, so I was watching this game. And this guy, and he's, oh, so what are you doing here? I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I lead a church, and I'm, I was in town for a festival and all that sort of stuff. And he was like, oh, I need to let you know. He said, I'm a, I'm a passionate atheist. Like, okay. Like, There's no God. Fair enough. Like, he said, I'm really passionate about it. All right. I went, Okay, that's fair enough. Then we talked, and he's like, so tell me about your church, talked all about it. And then I went, oh, and with the, you know, with the food bank, we run this big family support crisis thing with the government, and we, and we do this um, with, with the refugee center for any ref-. He's like, oh, I'm interested in that. Okay. Tell me more about that. So this ardent atheist was like, I'm interested in that. Um, it was, what else was really interesting about that conversation? About half an hour later after we'd been talking, he said, can I tell you a secret? He said, I'm an ardent atheist. I'm a passionate atheist. He's an evangelistic atheist. And, um, How does that work? And, uh, Go witness it for nothingness. He said, uh, he said, but I can't shake this terror inside me Fear. that I'm going to have to answer myself one day. I was like, 
I mean, leave me a wide open door, why don't you? I said, let's talk about that, why don't we? And, um, and I actually left him, and he asked me if I could pray for some healing for him. And I said, I'll, pray for, I'll absolutely pray for that. I said, give that three That's days. That's an atheist wants you to pray for him. Right. Yeah. And I said, I said, give it three days. I'm, I'm convincing. Um, and uh, he said. Apparently. I said, give it three days. I think you'll be healed. I said, but they actually, I said, the bigger miracle. I said, if you ask, if you have a conversation with Jesus, mm-hmm. that terror can go. So, so it, it, it's, it's a. Uh, it sounds like you're saying that, that with the death of Christendom, with all the religious trappings right. where we identified religion with being, you know, yeah. people who want to control the behavior of others and passing laws against other people's sins yeah. and not their own and all that kind of stuff. This generation not interested in okay, that. Okay, and, and if you just clear that away, there's a hunger there. There's saying. a hunger. And I tell you that the, the young people in our church and the young people I've just been at a festival, the young people um, in, in the Christian faith at the moment, I've not seen a passion for Jesus like it in my life. Wow. It's unbelievable. Oh, praise God. And you've had Asbury over here, stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. Like, you know, Asbury. this generation, we need to pay attention to them. We need to listen to them. We just brought an 18-year-old onto our leadership team. I'm going, we need these voices in our leadership team. We yeah. need to hear what they've got to say. Like, they need to, they need to save us. Like, we need to listen to this generation. There you go. Get some amens on that one. No, but it, it, it's true because... You know, they're not necessarily asking the questions that I asked, you know, and, right. and, and so if, if you're giving answers to the questions that people aren't asking, they're not going to be listening. But if you can address the questions that right. where they're really at, yeah. uh, it makes a world of difference. So it, it, so it seems like in Europe and in America, I mean, you guys are further down the, 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 the uh, yeah. track on, on secularization than we are, but we're headed there. I, I, I think America is like the la- we're seeing the last kind of roar of this fatally wounded think, lion. Do you know, the statistic I, mean, I saw, you're only 9% behind. I'm only what? You're only 9% behind. 9%? 9%. I can, behind um, what? On, on the UK for people who declare themselves as having no faith. I think where we're like 46, you're like 37. So we're ahead of you. <laughs> well, America's more righteous than Britain. On the, on the path out of Christendom. Right, right, I mean. right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, so, so we're going there, I, I, I think, rather quickly, but where you're at is what, where we can expect to be. And, yeah, you're catching and some time. of that. So it, the, the church in America, I think, um, Christians have, on the whole, and you can go into a lot of reasons for this, but we, we've just lost credibility. Uh, right. people, it's yes. like, what do you got to say? All those sex scandals that you've got, you know, all the public yeah. things covering up and all the rest. Yeah, you've got nothing to say to us. Right. And, and I think we just have to accept that. But what they are interested in is if, if this cashes out in ways that actually help people, that actually make a difference. Right. And, and what's interesting <coughs> about that is we need to pay attention to that because we think our prophetic gifting is stuff that we need to speak out. We think that we're supposed to tell the world what God wants them to do and who God is and, and how they should live. And they, we think our prophetic gifting should be worked out in words. But what that tells us is our prophetic gifting has to be worked out in actions, not words. They're not interested in what we've got to say. Amen. But they are interested in who Amen. we are and how we Great. live. They, so we, we have to live out our faith in prophetic postures. You know, a, a polarized church. And when you say prophetic, you mean in ways that just confront the dominant culture? That reveal, right, that, and that reveals something. A polarized church has nothing to say to a polarized world. Right. They already know how to be polarized. They're not going to learn how to be better, more polarized from us. Right. Like they, but if we, well, they might. <laughs> they might. Sadly, we are good at it. But um, but 
a church that can model unity in diversity, mm -hmm. a church that can model disagreeing well, loving one another despite our differences, a church that can model to holding the tension, and it's what Jesus, although what Jesus is about, holding the tension in the middle and recognizing that whilst we hold difference, we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we will Amen. love each other. And I, I will go the extra mile to understand you and to make space for you, not to evangelize you, but to learn from you. There are things that you carry about Jesus that I cannot learn without you. I need, I need you, we need each other. And because there are aspects of Jesus that I will only encounter through you. Yeah. So, and, and the more you are different to me, and you are correct, but the more you are different <laughs> Sadly, to me. Sadly, we're too much alike. <laughs> the more you are different to me, the more I have to learn from you. And, and when we find ourselves saying, I can't believe they believe that, or I can't believe they think that, or I can't believe they vote that way, or whatever it might be, it's a failure of our imagination. A polarized church has nothing to say to a polarized world, but also a church addicted to power and the accumulation of power has nothing to say to a, uh, to a, a, to a world that already knows how to abuse power, but a, a church that can model power differently has plenty to okay, say. Okay, so let's talk about that. Okay. Though I wanna come back to the polarization thing too, because uh, that's the world that we very much live in here, right. I think more so than in, in England, I mean, we are just, uh, we, we're, totally not, we're pretty good. No, I, I think this is whenever we do have you be, yeah. we are more polarized than you. Okay. But, uh, but <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll come back to that. But, but let's talk about, I mean, a, a central aspect of, I think, um, the kind of more hopeful Christianity that we're trying to embody, that Jesus right. Collective is all about, um, is, is, it has to do with the reconception of power. Um, and For so, sure. So yeah. let's talk about that, because there's a, a dominant right. idea of what power is, and on the whole, it seems to me that the church m just mimics the world's idea of power. We just try to win at their game. Right. But we're saying that there's a completely different way of there's framing There's a whole different so, way, and we need to pay away. attention to Jesus on this. So Jesus comes into a society that is waiting. They, they believe that God is all about power. He's going to make Israel great again. He's going to right. restore the temple. Roman he's going he's to overthrow the enemy. He's going to destroy them. He's going to drive them out. Yeah, yeah. Like God's on their side. They're going like, to, this is, this is the God they expected. Right, right. And Jesus comes along and goes, you know, Jesus' principal message, I'm convinced, is God's not like that. Like you think God's a particular way, but God's not like that, which is still a gospel mm -hmm. for today. The atheists has defined yes. the God they don't believe in. We've defined the God that we believe in, and there's some learning for us to do. So this, this idea of power, like Jesus comes into this world and goes, you know God's not like that. He, hang, he hangs out with the sinners. He hangs out with the poor. You know, they used to think that they were convinced that if someone saw the face of God, they would die. But Jesus rocks up and he encounters dead people. They come back to life. It's like this whole reversal is yeah. going on, right? And Jesus is going, you know, he's not the way you think he is. He's not angry. He's not distant. He's not vengeful. He's not going to destroy your enemies. In fact, I'm going to heal your enemies. I'm going to love your enemies. I'm going to include your enemies. I'm going to declare your enemies have got more faith than I've seen in the entirety of Israel. I'm going to, like, I'm, he goes beyond. And then when it comes to power, like, there's, there's some surprising things. So, in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus, you know that, that verse that we all know about, if Jesus says, you know, if you have a little bit of faith and you say to this mountain to be thrown in the sea, it'll be thrown in the sea. Like, yeah. we, we sing worship songs about our mountains that are going to be thrown in the sea. What's interesting for me is he stood looking at Jerusalem. He's looking at the Temple Mount. When I think, it says that in the text, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think when he says this mountain... He's not talking about your problem mountain, whatever that might be. He's talking about the whole religious system. And he's saying, if you've got a little bit of faith, you can bring the whole religious system down. And I don't think we've written that worship song yet. Like, <laughs> I feel like, 
I feel Burning like down the house. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel like there's. Song. I feel like there's an opening for a worship song. So he like he says like we can bring the whole religious system down, and that's actually what he does. He foretells. He he predicts the devastation of the temple. They think he's going to make the temple great again, and he, they think he's going to make Israel great again. He goes, no, no, it's coming down. And then he does this amazing thing, and he absolutely. Um, takes down the religious system, right? In this same passage, in these same verses, he says, whatever you ask for in my name will be given to you. Mm -hmm. Which we go, yeah, okay, well, we know Jesus says that. But in that culture, you pay to pray. You go to the temple, you pay, and someone will pray for you. You don't get to pray. Okay. Someone prays for you, and you pay them to do that. Right. And now Jesus is going, no, you, you guys do it. Anyone, everyone, just talk to God. Just mention me. You'll be fine. Like, he's... Draw my name. Like, yeah, draw my name. And then he does something really crazy. He says, as you forgive, so you're forgiven. Again, we might go, well, that's a very familiar verse. We know what he's talking about there. But in that system, the whole temple model was a forgiveness racket. Like, if you wanted, to, if you wanted to forgiveness, you had to make a sacrifice. If you wanted to make a sacrifice... And you had to buy you, one of their animals. You, you have to buy one of their animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't buy it in your Roman money that you've been paid in. You have to pay it in the, in the temple money. Oh, yeah. So that's the money changes at the back are changing it from your Roman money to your temple money. And they're charging you an extortionate rate. This is why he's flipping yeah, the tables. quarters for every dollar. Like, yeah. He's not flipping tables for, you know, because he's really... You know, he just has a temper tantrum. He's, like, he's tearing down the religious system. He's right. going, this... Geez, he, you know, Jesus in that moment is going, God did not come to set up a forgiveness racket. He came to set up a forgiveness economy. Like, as you forgive, so you're forgiven. Start practicing forgiveness with one another mm. and the world will be saved. Like, this is, this is it's so radical because he doesn't just go, guys, they're charging you a lot for forgiveness. I'll do it for half the price. He does, he's not doing that. Like, he's not just undercutting them. <laughs> the Jesus them. deal. Yeah. He's not undercutting them. He's taking the whole market out. Yeah. He's going, no, no, that ends now. As, and forgiveness now is for anyone. And not just being forgiven is anyone. You get to forgive. And as you forgive, so you're forgiven. Mm -hmm. they, and prayer is just what you pay for now. The prayer is for anyone. Whatever you ask for, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. And then the ultimate, what he's doing is dispersing the power. The Jesus mm. model of power is you disperse it yes. to the margins, to the everybody, to the anybody. And you know, the, the temple was the place where God's supposed to live, and Jesus right. comes along and says, no, no you're right. all the body So the ultimate dispersal God. is Pentecost. Uh -huh. Everyone and anyone, the Holy Spirit in you, go and live this out. Power to the everybody and the anybody. Power to the right. margins. Power out from. So if we, if we want to model power in a Jesus way, we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing with the power that we have? Are we dispersing it? Are we collecting it? Mm. Are we using it to control things? Are we using it to bless things? Mm. Are we pouring it out to the margins? Are we empowering people? And even when we do justice work, like we fall into the trap of doing stuff to people. Why not? So the power dynamic is still doing to. So yeah. I'm still, I'm giving, still you, charge, yeah. I'm giving you $100, but I'm still rich, and you're still poor. You're just $100 less poor, or whatever it might be. Like, there's still this differential, mm. when actually what, what I think Jesus is saying is, like, no, disperse it. When we do our justice work, when we take food to people, or when we, like, we do with them, we empower people to make better choices right. or to live better lives. Like we do two, we, we don't do two, we do with and under. Power with and under. Power disperse. under rather than power over. Rather than power, power over. trying to change you this and is control how you, to, power to serve. These are the questions we need to ask about how we do power. And not just as individuals, 
as organizations. You know, it, 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 it goes back to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit's poured out. Right. And Peter says, uh, this is that which was prophesied in the book of Joel, that in the latter days they're going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. It used to be the holy right. prophets and yep. selected individuals. Just these, just a man, few. Your, your young women, young men, yeah. are, you're going to have visions and dreams yeah. and everybody, even yeah. slaves and everybody. Yeah. So there's this it's leveling like, effect, like isn't there? This thing's going to get messy. So where uh, the kingdom is, would you agree with this, that where the kingdom is, that, that you'll find uh, a, uh, the hierarchies of power begin to lose their significance. Right. Who's in what position? Yeah. And, and it becomes more leveled get out. A, and, leveling. And, and people then and operate out of their giftedness. And they're dispersing. We are conduits of God's blessing. Right. We are not recipients. Gospel of privilege says we are recipients of God's blessing. God, Romans 8.28, God will work all things for good for those who love him. Right? Gospel right. of privilege. I love God. God loves me. God's going to make sure everything's great for me. Like something goes wrong, you're having a tough time and someone comes up and goes, I've got a word for you, brother. Romans 8.28, God's going to work everything for good. You want to punch him, right? You're just going to shut up. No, now is not the time. I'm having a bad day. Don't come at me with that verse. But actually... I don't like your good news. <laughs> actually, the, if you look at the Greek, what it actually says is God works together with those who love right. him to bring good in all situations. That's the gospel of partnership and participation. Right. So we... There's a flip around, and we've turned our gospel into privilege. We, uh, we are the cups. And, sure. and if we overflow, some people might get the, you know, the splashes, whatever. But actually, we're, we're, we're can, we are supposed to be the conduits, the pipes of God's blessing that flow out to the world around us. Okay. If, that, if you're getting blessed, it's to be a blessing to others, right? Right. Blessed to bless. Okay, so then that, 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 that then changes, I would think, the way uh, uh, churches have a, do your culture and stuff. Like, our conviction has been that... Uh, Everyone should operate out of their gifts. Right. And, and so your gift, you know, if, if you're good at this, then yep. it, it's wise for other people to follow you when doing that gift. Fine. But it's not like you stand up and say, hey, you must follow me because I have this position. Right. It's rather there's a natural organic thing there and people we, are like, okay, let's follow this. They're good at that thing. We do stuff and, with. Yeah, so it's not, not a positional sort of thing. So how does that affect, like in Christendom, you still had a power over mindset, right? We're going right. to conquer the world. We'll take over the political systems. We're going to run the world because we're more righteous than others. And, it crept in. And, and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, but we're saying that, that that kind of like, we've got the answers, you don't. We've got, you know, yeah. that, that that is not part of the kingdom. No, that's not, <coughs> that's not the Jesus way. Yeah. That's, not, that's not the Jesus way. Like, the Jesus way is the dispersing of power, the doing with, the sitting with, the crying with, the being with, and the, and, and the healing and the wisdom and right, the right, love right. and the generosity and the blessing. Like, right. this is... It's expansive. The kingdom is expansive. I think Paul is somewhere. I mean, when, when he in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1 says that to the world, the cross is foolishness and weakness. Because there's nothing weaker than a person hanging on a cross, you know, having just been crucified. Right. And there's nothing stupider than getting yourself crucified when you have the power to avoid it. Right. So to a natural mind, it looks like the cross is really, really pretty stupid. Yeah. Uh, and yet Paul says to those who are being saved, to those who are, brought, who are caught up into his love and have the, the, the faith and the message of the cross, the cross becomes the wisdom and the power of God. Right. Yeah. So that's our model of power. And it's right. ultimately God's willingness to give himself away for the Sacrifice. benefit of others. Sacrifice, surrender. And that's power. Because that's out. the only Generous. thing that can possibly change a heart, right? And, and the world's hungry for it. Yeah. Because they can't imagine it. So they have to see it. So we have to model it. We have to do it. We can't just talk about it. We have to do it. Like, because the world's going to go, I don't even know what you're talking about. How would we even begin to give our power away? It like, doesn't... Right, like, right. And, and, and unfortunately in the church, what we've tended to do is to model the same 
attitude to power that the world has. Like, right, so we're right. not, we're not, yeah. we have nothing to say. Like, we, but if we model this way, if we model the Jesus way of power. But I mean, this, this is really confronting. I mean, it's easy to say these words, but I found in my life when I really begin to like apply this to my life, it, it becomes some easier said than done. I mean, everything, everything about Western culture is about me being at the center, right? The whole thing is constructed right. for the consumer to get as much of the yep. good life as you can possibly get. And, and so the orientation, it's like there's this, we're, 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 we're conditioned to be black holes that yep. just suck everything in around us, you know, and, 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 and how can I live my best life now? Yep. And what we're saying is, is that, and that empowers you, and, and, and powers we say so, we get to, have, you know, we have a saying what happens comes to pass, but we're taught to use that say so for our own benefit. Right. Us and our family, and if there's leftovers, maybe yeah. friends and country, whatever. But, but it, it, we're the center of the universe. Yeah. And what we're saying is that the model of power that Jesus gives is the antithesis of that. Right. You do have say-so. And, and God wants you to enjoy things. Just, you know, that, that's fine. He's, you know, there's, no, there's no virtue in misery. But at the same time, the main way we're supposed to use say-so is in empowering others and blessing others and, yeah. and giving it away, right? And, what's, and which... It's so much more fun. It is. Than just collecting stuff, than getting stuff, than buying yourself stuff. Yeah. It's so much, like, I mean, when we get glimpses of this on Christmas Day, and people go, oh, you think I love about Christmas the most yeah. is the giving away. Well, you know, there's 364 more other days. Yeah. Like, crack on. I, I, like, I, you I, don't I, have to, like, <laughs> join in. Like, I, I, there is, I, 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 I'm increasingly convinced that a, a key aspect of discipleship is learning how to love giving stuff away, right. learning the, the, the joy yeah. of, 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 of self-sacrifice. But we can achieve it when we, when we stop finding our identity in those things. Right. And when we find our identity in Jesus, which is where we're supposed to find our identity, then we don't have to find our identity yeah. in the accumulation of things. And that's a, a point that is absolutely foundational that we could go into but we can't do it. But time we don't to. have time. But you've got to be getting all your life worth and significance from Christ for any of this stuff to work. Because mm. otherwise you're going to be trying to fill the black hole. Otherwise we're never going to be finished by 5 p.m. Well, I know. It's in the, tomorrow. You know, so, 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 so let's move on. Okay, I want to jump back to the polarization thing. Um, one of the things that I have loved most about the Jesus Collective, when we were up in Vancouver yep. three, four weeks ago yep. and had a, the Unite Conference up there or whatever we called it. But... Uh, um, I mean, we, 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 after our sessions, we sat around at a pub, and, and yeah, I went to what? the pub. They drew me these sinners in, from England, drew me out to this pub, I tell you. It wasn't but, uh, as good as our British pub. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Well, that's because my band wasn't playing there, but right. uh, well, yeah, that's a different thing. So, um, uh, the, the, we had some really interesting, difficult conversations. Um, about because there's a lot of pastors here, and we start talking about what are the issues facing the church, and boom, there it is. Yeah. And so I want to know uh, how your church, Yeovil Community Church, yeah, yeah. Church of First Yeovil, um, <laughs> your Lily, <laughs> <laughs> how, you guys, I'm sure have had to deal with LGBTQ issues, you know, and all the political hot topics and abortion yeah. and all the rest. So how have you, as a pastor, and then you, and you have a team with you? How have you led your church navigating those very difficult, very polarized waters? Yeah, so we, we work really hard to move as many of the boundaries. And I just want to say that even in mentioning this here, a certain percentage of people out there just got nervous. Yeah. Because these things are so politicized in this culture. Yeah, I understand. And to say abortion or I'm LGBTQ, gonna try and, they're, they're, I'm going to try and tread really carefully. It triggers some people. 
But Holy Spirit, um, <laughs> so how we do it in Yeovil, how we've got to this point, and I'll, we're not perfect. No, in just this. give a testimony um, what's but going we, on. We have, we were inspired by that whole idea. If you, how do you extend the tent in both directions? You know, it seemed to me, you know, what happens when you see this entrenching going on is people shrink, and so we get really dug in over here, and we get really dug in over here. Right. These, the people who are inclusive, affirming, aren't any more inclusive than the people who are orthodox and conservative. That's interesting. They're just including a different bunch of people. The goalposts are the same size, uh -huh. <laughs> and, they, and they're excluding a different bunch of people. And these people are including this bunch of people and excluding this bunch of people, and they're just excluding each other. And, right. and I, so it's, well, that's a lot of hassle to go through for not, not including any more people. It's just a different, like, right. why are we going to do all of that sort of stuff? So for me, it was like, well, how do I actually extend the tent in both directions? How do we create space where the same-sex couple can share space with the Orthodox um, conservative Christian? They don't have to agree, mm. but we can learn from each other. And primarily, we can learn to love one another, to see what each other has to teach us about who Jesus is and who we are, and and we can transcend our difference All right. by putting Jesus at the center. And by um, maybe, you know, it, it seems to me that we can go about. Right. You're allowed to say you agree. My like, amen's here. So we create this space and we hold the tension. Because, like, I've, my theology on certain things has changed over the years. But, you know, women in leadership, when I was at 1A, like, in my teens, I, I mean, I grew up in a church that was very conservative, very, I was like. Men only. Men yeah. only, that was it. And then, then I heard this woman preaching one day, and I was like, well, that was spirit-filled. Not bad for a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> that was spirit-filled and powerful. I, I need to go and have a, like, it challenges, it disrupts sure. me. Right, right, right. Like, you know, God is a disruptor. The spirit is a disruptor like, that wants to expand us. We think God is a projection, right? But God's a projectile. Like, he comes and like, we, we project. You know, if God hasn't told you you're wrong recently, it's not God. It's just you on a big piece of paper. You're not like, listening. It's, <laughs> like, it's, like, God, ha God disrupts us because God is so far beyond our imagination and our comprehension. So there's always more for us to learn. So we create this space and we go, how do we learn from each other and how do we hold this tension? We have people on our leadership team who hold a range of views on some of these issues. And, and I like that because it helps us listen better. When you draw a line, right. you disempower people's stories. You're either one side of the line or not. Mm -hmm. like, I'm not interested in your story. You might have traveled a thousand miles to get just shy of the line on your journey towards Jesus. Right. And this guy might be backtracking as quickly as he can, but he's just the right side. And we're celebrating right, this right, guy. Right. And we're condemning this guy. Like, we're missing the story. When you draw a line, you disempower the story. And if we can learn to hold space and then see sure. what God is up to, and then we can treat different people's journeys differently depending on where we see the evidence of the spirit where we feel the resonance of the spirit where we understand the story when we can all navigate towards Jesus mm. from wherever we are they we need to start putting walls up that make us feel safer and keep people out right because that doesn't sound like Jesus it doesn't at all does it no right. amen amen oh that, that sounds 
very much like Christendom, uh, where we wanted to find the parameters, you know, we, right. the boundaries, and 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 deciding who's in and who's yeah. out becomes all important. Yeah. You know, who checks off the boxes and who doesn't. And when but we become polarized, people feel self-righteous. Yeah, I mean, when we become polarized, we just build bigger walls. You know, uh, one of the things that Megan Good, who I, I just love her as a teacher, uh, she taught at this uh, conference that we just had, and she, she had this uh, chart where she had this emoji Jesus, silly looking yeah. thing, but she was asking the question, uh, like, who's closer to Jesus? Right. So he, here's this Jesus here, and then right next to Jesus is a saintly looking guy, he has a yeah. halo and, and all the rest, but this person goes to church all the time, does all the right things, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and, but then there's this person over here who's, and now we have the emoji of a totally whacked out person yes. and kind of crazy and nothing's working yeah. in their life and they're, you know, uh, can't get drug yeah. problems or whatever. And so... But they're moving towards. To, to, the, to the natural mind, the person who's right next to Jesus, the saintly figure, looks like they're closer to Jesus than this person. Yeah. But if, in fact, this person's moving towards Jesus, well, the saintly person is, is done think, trying yeah. to be towards Jesus. They're content on their own little, yeah. you know, self-righteousness. Well, the person whose life is completely screwed up is closer to Jesus than yeah. this person who's self-righteous right. and smug yeah. who looks so close to him, but yeah. in fact, so we can't just judge things in the kingdom no. on the basis of appearance. And as leaders, well, the question we have heart. to ask ourselves in all these pastoral situations, are they moving towards Jesus or are they moving away from Jesus? Moving right. away from Jesus is rebellion, sin. They, right, right. That's, what, that's our job to call out. But if someone's moving towards Jesus, even if they're a thousand miles away, even if their life is in all right. sorts of chaos, like, we cheer them on. Right. So you know, the church needs to be a context where anybody who's making a move towards Jesus, uh, regardless of where they're at, regardless of where they're at, right. we want to come around them and, yeah. and be Love. holding up Jesus to draw Love them, them in. Walk Amen. With, That's just... empower, bless them. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier when you were saying that, drawing this analogy with the solar system. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the bigger the mass, yeah. the more gravitational pull there right. is. And so, you know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. John 12, 32. And so, the, we had to, the more we exalt him, the bigger we make Jesus, yeah. the bigger the draw. Yeah. And, and, and when Christ is the, the huge center of a church, that's what puts all the other problems and questions Kind of in perspective, you know, the bigger Jesus is, the more these other questions become sort of peripheral. Whereas yeah. if you have a small Jesus, those questions become huge, yeah. you know, and, and, and they split up our churches, yeah. whatever. So it's the importance of Jesus in travel. And that belonging is really helpful. Like, I, just a story came to mind when you were talking then, like about, because we, we employ 40-something people. They're not all Christians. We have, I think we employ Muslim, we employ Buddhist, we employ atheists. We hired like, Mary, and I don't know like, what the heck she yeah, believes. Right. You know, except exactly. that we have to end we, on time. And, so. and all our volunteers. And, so there's this woman who helps out in one of our groups. Um, again, another pretty passionate atheist. And, um, but she helps in one of our groups, and she's great, and everyone likes her, and whatever, and she feels part of it. And, um, and she had a conversation with our worship leader a couple of weeks ago, and she went, I love it when you play on Sundays. Like... So, I don't know, it just feels really special when you play on Sundays. He goes, when are you here on a Sunday? Like, you don't come on a Sunday. You come on a Wednesday. She's like, oh, I watch every week. We're like, sorry, you watch every week? Like, you hate God. And she's like, no, no, but this is my church. Like, yeah. this is, like, like. So something's pulling there's, there, yeah. There's, there's some gravitational pull right, right. going on. That's great. Like, we get to celebrate that. I, my theology doesn't always fit the, you know, I remember one time we have, all, we have all these, we do this work, like for 
local government, like we work with families who are in crisis, families get sent to us from social services and police and schools and health and whatever, and they, set, they refer families to us and we support them, we get in the home and we, and we help them out. And there was one day and I walked into our team office, uh, all our workers who support these families, and I just said, you know, I've got this sense, like it's open windows today, like pray the miracles in, like I think God's going to do some stuff in the families today, pray it in. And I left carried on doing all the other things I was supposed to do in my day. The next day, it was the non-Christian staff who were coming to me going, I prayed this for my family yesterday and it happened. This miracle happened in my family. One of them came to me and said, you know you said open windows. Well, I went to this family who is like a total mess. They've blocked up their letterbox because they don't want any more bills to come through the door. They've like, they shut all the windows because they don't want the, right, right, like, right. the bailiffs knocking on the door and whatever. She said, I went there today, the windows were wide open. And I just felt that spirit you talk about blowing through the house. Mm. And you're like, what the, what the heck? And where are my Christian link workers coming to me with these miracles that they're praying in? What's wrong with you guys? Like, I was, sure. and it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. wrong people. Like, my theology gets messed up. And I'm yeah, going, yeah, God, yeah. what are you up to if the non-Christians are praying in the miracles? Like, I don't know what to do with my theology on yeah, that. That's, but, and that's part of the humility that I was talking about earlier is that instead of having this model that we Christians have the answers, we're going to tell you, you know, what you need to do. Um, it, it, it seems like in the kingdom, there's a much more of a, a dialogical thing. I mean, it's like in Acts 10, you know, that, the, that uh-oh, okay, uh, where, where, where God has to get Cornelius, the pagan, to yeah. send a servant over to Peter right. to say, hey, Peter, will you come and evangelize right. us? Because Peter's locked yeah. into his own yeah. racism. He stuff. thinks the kingdom's this He's big. got the formula and the yeah. kingdom is about Jews, and, not Gentiles. And, and, so. and God's chatting to Cornelius going, you're going to tell yep. him what I tell him. Like, you know, like, oh, let's both do it. Sometimes I think the church needs to get evangelized by pagans. Yeah, it's way bigger. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, and we, God's we, using, yeah. Okay, we got uh, five minutes left. So, because Mary the pagan is going to kill us. If we yeah, she's. <laughs> she loves me. Hey, so, um, last thing is, is uh, one of the things that, that is, I think, characterizing our time right now, and this is, I think, true, it's becoming true globally, but certainly in the West, mm. uh, and that is there's a sense of despair right. and despondency yep. that's coming up. People are losing hope. Right. Uh, you know, the, in political systems, everything's broken. Right. It, it, social structure of everything things. we put. There's just a whole lot of going. On. The climate issues, yeah. you know, Nothing and, and so a lot of people are starting to do hopelessness right. now. And so, I, I guess uh, one of the questions I ask is like, what does this kind of Christianity that we're trying to represent? A more hopeful Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Which is what we talk about. What does in that Jesus look like? We, 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 we're pursuing a more hopeful Christianity, and I think, you know, hope is. Um, Hope is a profound thing. It is. They, and so here's the thing. Poverty. They, we encounter poverty, and right now we're encountering poverty all around us. Um, I'm not just talking financial poverty. Relational poverty. Yeah. Loneliness is an epidemic. Um, like health poverty, whether that's mental health or physical health. Social poverty. Emotional poverty. Spiritual poverty. I mean, there is... We are, there are right. epidemics of poverty around us. And poverty is a really interesting thing because what poverty does is it roots you in the immediate. Right. And it tells you it will always be like this. It's a in your you mindset. will always be poor. You will always be lonely. You will always be sick. You will always be whatever you're what, lost you or whatever, change, whatever yeah. your poverty is, it's never going to change. This is it. And so if you get a moment of well, you know, I came into some money or whatever. There's a chance that you won't actually use that necessarily the best way. Like, 
I mean, you might, but actually you also might go, I have a moment here of happiness. You know, if you feel unloved and your poverty is love and you feel unloved and someone offers you love for a night, you'll love. take it. Yeah. Right, right, right. You'll take it. And you might know intrinsically this is a bad decision, but I'm always going to be unlovable. Okay. So I'm going to take what I can get. That's the mentality right, right. That, goes, that goes on. So poverty roots you in the immediate and says you'll always be like this. Right. And we think that money is the antidote to poverty, but it's not. No. Or, or you know, relationships. The, like, we, we think there's an antidote and the, anti and the answer is money, but it's not. Hope is the antidote to poverty. Hope is hope, the antidote to poverty. Yeah, because hope says you don't have to live like this anymore. Hope says your future doesn't have to be defined by your past. Mm. Like, hope is the thing that, that lifts us up from the pit of despair and encourages us to be able to believe that it can be different. And Amen. hope is the currency we have in our hands as the church. Like, hope, That's a good word. Like, hope is the currency we carry. Like, this is Amen. our business. Like, and the world is desperate. They're increasingly desperate. I like, mean, the competition is And I'm not talking off. about the theology. You don't, have, you, know, you don't have to go to hell when you die. You can go to heaven when you die. They, when I die, I'm in hell now. Like, right. let's save them from hell now. <laughs> like, and then we can deal with the hell. Like, when they, like, there's, they, I'm talking about hope that says you're not alone. I'm with you. Mm. That's good. And let yeah, me tell you a better story. Amen. I, you know, we've preached the gospel. You mustn't live like that for however many decades right, right. or centuries now. But what if we preach the gospel that says, you know, you don't have to live like that anymore. It's a, much a gospel of liberation, a gospel of hope. Like, that is something that our, our society is hungry for and something Amen. that is authentic, that is lived out, that and, is and modeled out. I really believe that as we go into this future, that, that, that hope's going to become increasingly rare and therefore increasingly precious. And as you just said, that's the only commodity we trade in. It's our currency. And, uh, right. yeah. and so if we're walking around with hope, there'll be people who are going to be really open to, to hearing what we have to say, but more interesting, looking at what we do about hope. Right. How, do, how do we live that out? Okay, last thing here is, and, and that is, um, so... We can't talk about that. I, oh, time to talk about that, I know, sure. man. I wish you had three days. But, but uh, uh, so we're, I'm oh, working for you, Mary, here. I'm doing my best. <laughs> we're, we're, he's trying. So we're, we're, we're part of a movement. Right. You're part of a movement. This Jesus is what's going, what's going on here. And I pursuing think it's the most exciting thing going on the planet. Yeah, it's pursuing a more hopeful Christianity. We believe we're in a moment. Yeah. Like, we believe there's a shift going on. There is. And, and you know, when you talk to people going, you know, do you think there's a shift going on? People are going, yeah, I think there's a shift going on. Most people intuit it, yeah. I feel like the world is moving beneath my feet. Right. And I feel like the rules have changed, and no one told me we were changing the rules. And suddenly the rules have changed, and I don't even know how to play this game anymore. Like, stuff is shifting. I think... Maybe, maybe we're in a new reformation. I think we're in a shift. No maybe's about it, man. This is <laughs> happening. But I'm British, so we do understatement. Yeah, that's, so, that's true. Um, Stiff over living all that. So I think perhaps we're in, a, we're in a moment of reformation. We'll know more as this plays out over the sure. decades and centuries. Jesus Collective is not the owner of a reformation. Absolutely. This is way bigger than us. This shift is happening all over the place. But what Jesus Collective is about is we want to amplify this. We want to make noise about this. We want to find language for it. We want to create resources for it. So this shift and this dissonance that people are feeling and this like, what the heck is going on that people are feeling? Like, they can find a place where they go, oh, I'm not crazy. Right. 
Me too. Like, I'm feeling that. Oh, that language is really helpful for me. We've done the five markers, five like, markers of Reformation, which people are finding so profoundly helpful. You can look that up on the website, listen to those podcasts. It's really great stuff. We are finding language. We're creating resources. As well as that, we create context of relationship. So people yeah. who are leading stuff can work together. We can talk to one another and go, what are you doing in your context that's working? Right. What have you tried that totally tanked? Like, I want to learn from it. Right. Like, we can learn from each other. We can support each other. We can pray for each other through this. We can share what's happening in your culture, what's happening in our culture. So if people want to find out more India, about the, like, all that's available, where do they go? So they go to um, JesusCollective.com. JesusCollective.com. Yeah, go. All right. Get, get involved and just bring what you have. Like, come and get involved. If you want to give to us to the amplification, you can do that. If you want to get involved in some way and partner or join in or whatever, like there are ways you can do that. If you want to access, there's all sorts of ways. But if you are sensing this shift, if you are looking at option A and option B and you don't like either of them and you're looking for a third way, Jesus Collective is for you. All right, all right. Check it out, check it out. Check it. Thank you so much for oh, coming man. all the way over here and Thank being a you. part of this. And, amen. And I, I, I will tell you, I, having heard your heart and having listened to you talk and hearing your vision, I, I think you're in the right position, the exact right position at this time in the Jesus Collective. And so I really appreciate you being a part of this. Uh, thanks for being a part of this online and, and everyone in, in, in the house here. Uh, if you have prayer needs that uh, you'd like to be addressed uh, online, you, there's some prayer teams available, and we have some prayer teams available at the front of the auditorium. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, any issue that we talked about or something else, doesn't matter, but I encourage you to get prayer for that. Uh, we have the MuseCast on Tuesdays. We've got different gathering groups at different times. encourage you to check those out. And uh, as we leave this place, let's do it with a commitment to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our body, our soul, love our neighbor as ourselves, and love the earth and the animal kingdom, which is our first mandate. God bless you guys. Go out. Sin no more. Love on the world.